tuberculosis treatment in general, the time period, and the fact that in our region, we were ahead of the game. There were people from all around the country that came to West Mountain to see what was being done health-wise. Really? Yes. So um, it's really amazing how even during the Great Depression, the people of Lackawanna County were so generous um, to people that had tuberculosis, where in other parts of the country, they were kind of treated like lepers. Welcome to Historical Fiction Unpacked. I'm your host, Allison Treat. Hello, readers, and welcome back to the show. This is episode six of season seven. And today I have a conversation with Amy Lynn Walsh. Um, I know Amy in real life, which is so fun to have someone on the show who I actually know in real life. Um, It's happened a few other times. But I often get to know the guests I have on the show, and that's really a perk of podcasting, at least when you're hosting and and having guests on the show. I get to meet so many people. Um, But Amy lives in the same area as I do. We live outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania. And um, it was really fun to hear about her book, which is set in Scranton, Pennsylvania, or near Scranton, Pennsylvania. So Amy had a lot of fun things to talk about, and I know you guys are going to enjoy it. So let's get right to it. Amy, thank you for joining me on the show today. It's so fun to talk to authors I know in real life. I'm excited to be here. I'm so glad that you let me come on your show. (laughs) Of course. I'm excited too. Your novel, Nellie, which is one of the Apron Strings book series, releases today. So congratulations. Thank you so much. And yeah, and can you what can you tell me about this book? Well, Nellie is a different character than I've ever written before. I wanted to have a little bit of neurodivergence in Nellie. I was thinking of somebody that in today's classroom might have been considered ADHD, a little a little hyperactive, right. you know. <laughs> and <laughs> I also wanted to get into the Irish culture because my last book was very much about the Irish, so we have oh. um, you know, the class clown is now the main character of Nellie. Um, so right. she lives outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania, um, and she would have been in the Abingdon Heights School District. Um, so she lived on the mountain outside, and she ends up commuting to Scranton um, daily to get work. And she ends up right. taking a position in a mansion as an assistant cook, even though she's really not a very good cook at all. It's just <laughs> a comedy of errors and her just jumping right. in impulsively. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I love that her character is so endearing. It's neat. Um, And it seems like this series is a really cool collaborative effort. Um, It's something I've seen publishers do before, where they have various authors write different books that are connected in some way. But this series is indie published. So I'm curious about kind of how that came about. So um, we have a lovely team leader, Jenny Niffer, and she came up with the idea and then she sought different authors out, asked if we'd want to be part of the collaborative group. And she came up with the, an idea of a cookbook that would go from character to character over a century. So every decade, oh, cool. a different character has the same exact no, uh, cookbook. And it's in a different part of American history, a different, you know, a different era and a different place. And wow. um, yeah, so it's called Mrs. Canfield's Cookery Book. And it's not just filled with recipes, but there's um, life lessons that Mrs. Canfield puts in there and Bible quotes. So it is kind of an inspirational cookbook. 
Wow, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So do you have recipes in each? Are there recipes in each book too? Yes. In the yes. back of each book, there's three or four recipes that are part of the story. Cool. So um, I'll tell you what mine are. Okay. So I have um, Betty Caramels. So it was candy that people would have made often in the 1930s. A cheesy ham yeah. and broccoli rice casserole, which is actually mm. made by mistake by Nellie because she tries to make <laughs> something fancy and it doesn't work out. And then um, salted maple caramel glaze, which ha- is a story in itself. Ooh. So you have to read the book. <laughs> See why it's so important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, and I, I think that listeners might be curious to know that um, one of the other authors who's been on my show is doing a book in this series, Naomi Mush. Yes. Was, um, she was one of my early, early interviews. So that's pretty cool that we have yes. two of the authors mm-hmm. her have book now came been on historical in January. fiction. Yes. It was her, lovely. Her book came out in January. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So how did you, it seems like, did they give you a lot of freedom with um, what your book would be about and where it would be set? And how did you kind of come up with the idea? What was your inspiration? So Jenny asked that it, the characters live in a small town or in the country. I did want okay. to get Scranton involved. So I had to tweak things a little and have her commute into Scranton. But I have many scenes throughout the book where she's in the countryside. Um, and I did make a big right. deal about the fact that um, – you know, it was the Great Depression, so it was hard to get to work. So they had meeting spots downtown where they would carpool. And Nellie often has to ride on, you know, the running board of her uncle's car to get into Scranton because there's so many people fitting in one car. So that was wow. just one idea that I got from my grandmother because she used to tell stories about how they, you know, she had a huge family and they all had to find ways to fit and they would ride on the back of the car. <sighs> So, um, but she also asked for it to be, you know, more tender and lighthearted than, you know, like something that, you know, won't make you feel down as you read it though, you know, it's realistic and there are some sad parts in the book overall. It's more lighthearted. Um, I'm trying to think of what else she asked, you know, that we have to have the cooking theme and, um, women's fiction. So we wanted to see growth in women throughout the series. Okay, cool. So then how how did you really come up with the story of Nellie? I mean, you said you wanted to have it be about someone who is maybe atypical. Yeah. Neurodivergent is, I think, the word you used. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a computer program. Like I kind of just put all the different variables in and then I see what spits out. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I know it's weird to think of it that way, but I – had a couple tropes that I've been wanting to try. I wanted to try a little bit of age gap. And I also wanted to try um, the twin thing, you know, the mistaken identity. And um, so I wanted to get that in yeah. there. So basically, I think I thought of the things that I wanted to try that I haven't experimented with before in writing. And um, then I went through the newspapers.com. Once I settled on 1931, I read about a bunch of happenings during that year. I even read they had serial novels during that year. And so I read through the serial novels and just got a feel for the vocabulary and what kind of drama they're interested in. So I just got in the 1931 mindset. I also went to the Lackawanna Historical Society and I looked through folders that they had of the different um, places and organizations that I included. 
just to feel like okay. I was actually wow. there. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, and it, what's interesting is that you and I are both, we both live around the Scranton area. So mm-hmm. it's really fun for me to see a novel set there. I, I enjoy that a lot. Um, how fun was that for you to set it here? I mean, I guess you've done it before. Yes. Um, well, my prior book to release was Voices in the Sanitarium. And right. so that went back and forth between 1931 and 2009. So I really grew to have an appreciation for tuberculosis treatment in general, the time period, and the fact that in our region, we were ahead of the game. There were people from all around the country that came to West Mountain to see what was being done health-wise. Really? Yes. Yeah, so um, it's really amazing how even during the Great Depression, the people of Lackawanna County were so generous um, to people that had tuberculosis, where in other parts of the country, they were kind of treated like lepers. <laughs> they you know, had yeah. ca- uh, camps outside of cities. They were out in the snow and tents. But we had right. people volunteer to come up on the mountain. They built little cottages, and then they eventually built this first sanitarium building and then the hospital. Wow. So, I didn't realize mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. you've done a lot more research about this than I have. Um, and I know that West Mountain Sanitarium features in both the book that came out a couple years ago, Voices in the Sanatorium, and um, and Nellie. So did yeah. you mention how it features in Nellie? I don't know if you... Um, no, I didn't. Nellie's father is a coal miner, and he develops black lung, but... Um, the sanitarium doctor thinks he might also have tuberculosis. So he okay. is quarantined in the sanitarium. And Nellie, her aspiration is to be uh, an actress. And she's actually determined to go to New York City when her father falls ill. She already has a flat, you know, rented with two flatmates. And she's wants to be on Broadway. Yeah. And when he goes to the sanitarium, she has to give up her dream. So that is, you know, the lead into how she eventually becomes a cook's assistant. Um, but there are scenes where she goes to visit her father and, you know, the readers will meet the same characters, some of the same characters that are in Voices in the Sanitarium, such as Dick Smith, who is the writer of Winter Wonderland. So he's one of my favorite characters. Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And so are the two books connected at all? Or is that the only um, um, connection? Is probably just the, the sanitarium the is the only real connection. They're totally different yeah. sorts of books. Um, Voices in the Sanitarium goes back and forth between two times. And it's, um, I would say, a little bit darker than Nellie. Um, you know, right. It's a diff- totally different style of writing. Right. Yeah. That's interesting that you've been able to do both, though. Um, that shows, I guess, a lot of diversity as as a writer that you've been able to do both yeah, types I, I'm of I'm still, a, you know, an author in training. I feel I'm just, you know, <laughs> dabbling through the different genres. <laughs> yeah. So are any of the characters in Nellie, um, are they any of them real people? Or quite are they few, all fictional? Yes, quite a few oh, really? of the minor characters are real okay. characters. Yeah. So how did you, I mean, did they just come into the story naturally? You thought their story fit in well with what you were trying to do? I found them in the newspaper. And then, okay. I said, oh, you know, I would love to, you know, almost have my book be a little bit of honor or memorial to these people. Um, so, oh, cool. you know, I handle them gently, you know, and yeah. 
I tried to get into their character. You know, I tried to read as much as I could about their characters and present them as they might have been in real life. Right. That's so interesting. I think it's hard as an author to write real characters into fiction, but at the same time, I love to do it also. Mm-hmm. So I do, yeah. That, because, yeah, um, you know, cool. it's going to be almost a century since these characters were, you know, were in the right. news. And um, I just don't want people that really made a difference to be forgotten. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned some of your the ways you research, like you heard stories from your grandmother, first of yes. all, mm-hmm. but then reading um, newspapers and other books about the time. So how did you, did you do all that research first, kind of get to get the ideas in your head and then yes. you write the story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just basically <laughs> fill my brain <laughs> with just immersing <laughs> myself in the time period um, I'll, I write yeah. down the people that I want to include. And basically when I write, I'll label, I'll have all the chapters outlined with the people I want to mention per chapter. Okay. And then as I write, I'll go back and look at the story to make sure I'm getting all the facts right. And um, mm-hmm. they just naturally flow. I don't know how to describe it. I think once I get that very broad outline, you know, things will change as yeah. I write. But the characters become so real in my mind that it seems almost effortless in that first draft. Right. But then that's when it comes great. to editing and revising, that's the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I actually enjoy revising more. I think I find the blank page kind of scary. So, but people I think are, I'm the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Every author is different in their yeah. process. Yeah. So we talked ahead of time about you're also a teacher. Can you tell me about how you became a published author? Like, have you always loved to write? How did that path kind of lead to this for you? So I've been writing since I was in first grade. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it was short, short stories, songs, poems, and just love to write. But even if I wasn't writing, my brothers and I were making like old time radio shows on cassette tapes and just play acting and then yeah. even if, you know, avid reader, I always devoured books. I think I read out, you know, the mantras and Tunkhannock libraries. Um, <laughs> but uh, even if I wasn't writing, I was sitting in class daydreaming, like a compulsive daydreamer to the fact, to the point where yeah. my parents actually asked my doctor if I could might have epilepsy because I was such a terrible daydreamer. Oh. Oh so goodness. I think it was just natural, naturally, natural thing for me to become a writer. Um, but I always figured I would write one day, but I thought I would have to wait till retirement. So all through the years, I've just been filling journals with story ideas, outlines and such, even giving you know voice memos to myself for ideas. And right. then COVID, COVID hit. So I had always been super busy, like every minute of my day busy and um, everything was shut down. So I had all this time on my hands and that's what drive, drove me to begin writing. Wow. So is that, was your first book Voices in the Sanatorium or, or did you write others before that? Um, My first book um, is A Misplaced Beauty and that takes place in London in the 1880s, Durham and London. And I had already had most of the story done. I just had to revise it. Um, And my grandmother had always wanted to see my books in print. And um, so... I decided to self-publish um, so she'd be able to read it because she was starting to, you know, fail. 
And yeah. um, I just wanted her to be able to see that book while she was still here. So that was what drove me to start revising. But that was kind of something that I'd written over the years. Um, my second book to come out, I actually started writing on election day. Was it 2020? Okay. And um, I was just so antsy, you know, what was going to happen with this election. <laughs> Everyone I was like was. driving myself crazy. And that was the night I was like, I'm going to start writing again. So um, I, by the time the night was over, I think I had like 10,000 words because oh I just goodness. couldn't stop. Like I stayed up all night writing as the story just wow. flowed. And so, um, you know, in the meantime, working on that is when I decided to go ahead and publish A Misplaced Beauty. Okay. So- yeah. That's election night is when you started Voices in. No, um, my second one was um, Elsie Whitmore. <laughs> I have quite a okay. few out already. Um, yeah. Elsie, Elsie Whitmore is. I forgot story. that you had so many. So yeah, many that's out okay. Yeah. No worries. Um, Elsie Whitmore is a story of a teacher whose YouTube video goes viral and it captures the attention of a movie producer um, who, who okay. was a former child star. So. Wow. It's much, yeah. It's, it was fun. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And so you've just, have you enjoyed the process of um, self-publishing or indie publishing? I really have. Um, it's yeah. like every book I learn something more and I just love all the com- connections I've made with other authors and working together on collabs and working together with marketing supporting each other in prayer. Um, just so right. many friendships I've, I've formed. Um, some of my best friends now are people that I've met online that I might never meet in person, um, but yeah. we just really have grown together. That's great. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned like the way you've always been really busy. You have a full-time job. You have mm-hmm. children yes. who are, you know, mostly grown, but, um, you're a mom that takes yes. a lot of mm-hmm. time and you wrote, it sounds like you wrote the first one during COVID. Yeah. So there was yeah. like, you know, a break mm-hmm. and then you just wrote the other one mostly in one night. <laughs> in one night. <laughs> so how are you now fitting in both yeah. the writing and kind of the work that comes along with this like second career? It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, but you know, when I first started, right prior to COVID, I was really active in scouting. So yeah. I was assistant scoutmaster. So I was always doing camping trips and hikes and okay. stuff like that. And, you know, my kids have, you know, gone from that era, the scout era. <laughs> right. Um, so that opened up some time. Um, I've had to cut back a little bit in like ministry, I think, because I can't handle everything because I used to be more yeah. active in ladies' ministry. Um, but it's all about realizing that there's time of the day when you're, you you could be fruitless, you know, (laughs) just, Mm -hmm. you know, I could be addicted to playing Tetris on my phone, you know? And so I have to get rid of that app or no, and just being more organized, um, fitting, writing in the small spaces. Yeah. That's great that you figured out how to do that because it seems like such a big feat and especially releasing so many books. How many do you have out now? So, um, Nelly, Nelly is my seventh. Okay. Wow. And, um, in, but all in like four years or since less. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've also, um, published 
two anthologies to raise money for local charities. My students have helped me write um, The Year of the Mask, and then another one was Trapped in a Jar. And the students did lovely jobs coming up with poems and stories. And um, so the one raised money for Jack of Hearts. Um, And then the other one raised money for Marley's Mission. So those are two local charities. And then we have another one on the way. Go go ahead. Go go ahead. Finish what you're saying. And then you can tell me about the charities. Let me just tell you about the charities. Um, Marley's Mission is basically um, a pet therapy almost, um, a horse farm. And children who have been through trauma can go there and just um, receive all kinds of help. And then Jack of Hearts is especially for families who have children with heart problems. And okay. the organization will help families when they have um, stays in the hospital, just give them the support they need when their kids are going through surgeries and such. Okay. So two great organizations. Great. Yeah, I had heard of Marley's Mission, but not mm-hmm. Jack of Hearts. So yeah, did you want to talk about the next anthology? Oh yeah, so we're um, right now. I'm involved in publishing an anthology to raise money to provide somebody with a service dog, maybe even more than one person, hopefully. And yeah. so um, I did uh, a uh, call for submissions last year for anybody whose life has been touched by a service dog. And there's twelve different, um, basically true short stories that are going to be in one anthology. And it's um, people that were born with like blindness, people that. Um, became blind mm. later in life, and even one person who raises service dogs. So it's a pretty neat anthology. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. That's cool. When is that coming out? That's coming out on April 24th for National um, Guide Dog Day. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. International, um, I should say. International. Oh, international. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's really cool that you're you becoming a published author and, ch- and choosing to do indie. So mm-hmm. you basically started your own company. Yes called is it Walsh Mountain Publishing yeah. yeah and sometimes I kind of regret using my f- um, last name in the company <laughs> name but it's kind of a tribute to my husband and his family um he's in the third generation of Walsh's that have gone to war and oh, wow. you know I just feel like it's a good tribute to the family history of these men who sacrificed for the country and that's why I didn't oh, want yeah. to have it in the name um, That's cool. Yeah. yeah. But my goal is one day to help people publish their biographies, autobiographies, and, um, you know, just to show people how you can learn from somebody else's life history to be more, mm. to persevere great, more, greater, to ha- choose more joy despite your circumstances, and just really get some life stories out there. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. That's a great, great aspiration. I love that. Um, so you mentioned the anthologies, but are you working on more novels? I, I think you told yes, me that you I are. Am. So tell me, yeah. tell well, me what's coming next. So um, the one that I can talk about is Threads uh, okay. of <laughs> Pelican Rapids. I have a novel coming out. Um, it's a mail order bride series. Oh. And it takes place after the Civil War. And I don't know if um, a lot of people know of that, the fact that, you know, well, there was so much death after the Civil War that there were a lot of single women that wouldn't have had a hope of ever having their own family, their own children, if they hadn't right. become male order brides. So um, I'm pretty excited about that one. And that's supposed to be releasing in May. So that's a series? That's and- a multi- mm-hmm. So is it a collaboration it's again? It's, or- um, 
Yeah, it's a collaborative series. I think I'm, I can't even, like, I'm in, like, the 30s. There's a lot of books out in the series. It's been going on for a few years. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. And then I have two others that are, um, well, one that's coming out in September. And okay. I'm excited about that one too, but I, we're not unveiling it yet. <laughs> and <laughs> then another one that I'm now. working on, another collab that's going to come out in 2026. But then I have others in the works as well. Wow. Yeah. You are busy, a busy lady with teach, <laughs> teaching full time and also. Yeah, it is. It's hectic. Working on all these projects. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a question I ask all my guests. How do you think learning about history through story helps us approach life in the present? Okay. So first of all, I love historical fiction because sometimes reading regular nonfiction can be a little bit boring. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. No, I do. I have to just say I do devour newspapers.com. You know, I just devour the articles yes. all day. So once I get in there, I do really love learning from actual history. But right. um, I think being entertained while you're growing and learning is an awesome opportunity. Um, also, I just yeah. love fiction and how there's so many different voices out there. And I'm a firm believer that everyone has a voice and God, you know, gives authors these different techniques. Sometimes you can Mm -hmm. hear them like they have different manners of talking almost through their books. And I just love that too. But I think it's really important for us to learn history, even our personal history, like look into our own families so we can understand our personalities better, you know? Mm -hmm. And as I was studying the, um, the Walsh history, you know, when I was, learning about more about the Irish culture um, for Voices in the Sanitarium, I just realized that so much changed for the Irish people since the potato famine. Um, Their culture changed and even their their genetics changed because the people that survived were so basically emaciated that still today, um, you know, doctors think that it might affect them to, they have a greater predisposition for autoimmune disease. Oh, so wow, really, yeah. So going back in your history helps you understand, helps you be more to be more pro- proactive for your own health and for your mental health. Um, right, that's true. And um, even as you know, a citizen, I think learning about history um, helps us avoid pitfalls. You know, as we look yeah. at what happened to other countries and how they made the wrong choices, um, like we can prevent that from happening, and maybe it'll spur some of us on to wanting to be more active locally and even nationally one day. So I think it helps us to be savvy. You know, we have to be on guard as we're watching current events unfold and make sure we're doing our own research and we all should be historians in a way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that too. (laughs) That's definitely. Well, Amy, this has been a wonderful conversation. What is the best way for listeners to follow you? Well, you can find me on Facebook. Um, Amy Lynn Walsh is my author page on Facebook. We have a wonderful um, reader series, Apron Strings Reader Series. Um, We have all kinds of different posts going on every day. Um, Some are fun, some are historical, some are involved with fashion, a lot are involved in cooking. 
Um, some of my other series also have pages. Um, one of my favorite series is Whispers in Wyoming. I have a book in that series, and oh. we have some really great posts there too. Um, my webpage is www.walshmountainpublishing.com, and I interview many authors on my blog. I have a couple right. of different um, formats. Um, my favorite one right now is I interview characters. It's called Mornings at Character Cafe. And I'll take a character and interview them. And I love tea. So I always um, promote a tea that relates to a character. And also I always have a recipe for some kind of breakfast item that if Character Cafe was real, you could get it there. So I I love to eat and I love to drink tea. So that comes (laughs) out in my interviews. (laughs) Great. So the characters, are they always characters from your books or are they characters from – other authors other authors so most of the time it's almost like fan fiction so okay um, authors are fine with I think they kind of get a kick out of me getting into their characters heads and um (laughs) but I typically will send them the the cafe um you know the excerpt before I post it just to make sure that I got into their characters heads so oh great recently I did one with um Pepper Basham's character Grace from her series and uh, I said what do you think and um she you know I had to tweak a a name actually because um I was thinking that Grace called her husband by his first name like um and it was a little different so you have to tweak things sometimes oh yes but yeah yeah that's great Mm mm-hmm Pepper, yeah, Pepper was on the show too. You might have yeah. heard that episode, I think like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. I don't know. These years are running together. Um, so that's that's great. Um, I'll definitely link to all those things in, in the show notes. Thank you so much for being with us today, Amy. Uh, this has been wonderful. Uh, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Amy Walsh. Um, and you can go to the show notes to get links to her books and her website and everything she just mentioned there. You can find the show notes at alisontreat.com slash blog or in your favorite listening app. Now, friends, if you want to help the show, you know what to do. Subscribe or follow the show, rate, review it, and share it with someone you think would enjoy it. To close us out today, I'm going to share the words of Marcus Garvey. He said, a people without the knowledge of their past history, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. So keep reading historical fiction, my friends, and I will talk to you again next week. <laughs>